First City Focus is supported in part by Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at dukeenergy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to First City Focus. I'm your host, Nicole Carey. On this episode, final planning is underway for the annual First City Music Festival. We'll find out what's in store for festival goers. A League of Their Own was released 30 years ago this summer. We'll take you on a trip to the two southwestern Indiana stadiums, which played key roles in the movie's creation. Pike County is making great use out of the new Elmer Bukta Training Center. And Downtown Vincennes recently celebrated its annual Festival Latino. It's all right now on First City Focus. What started out as a vision of great music and fellowship in Knox County has now grown into a weekend festival packed with entertainment and activities for all ages. The First City Music Festival is gearing up for this year's event just a few weeks away. Festival organizer Nash Dunn is here to tell us what we can expect this year. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, take me back to the beginning. Uh, how did this idea of the festival first come about? <laughs> um, actually, um, it was... Uh, myself and some friends, some family members, were at another bluegrass festival up in Bean Blossom, Indiana, just outside of Bloomington, uh, called the John Hartford Memorial Festival. Um, and it was just one of those things where um, uh, we were kind of standing around and we had been throwing an event at one of my friend's houses every fall, um, having some bands come out. And um, uh, his wife had put the hiatus on that, saying, hey, it's just gotten a little bit too big. Um, and so we just kind of put on our dreaming hats at that festival, uh, looking around and saying, hey, you know, I feel like we could do this. Um, at the time, I was um, moving into the role of the president of Spirit of Incense, uh, the group that works with the Rendezvous. And so I knew we might have access to those grounds. And so we just kind of hit the ground running and uh, got that thing off the ground. Okay. Yes, uh, so it's been a few years now since your first festival. What have you, yes, what have you learned along the way so far? Oh, boy. Uh, we have learned lots and lots, for sure. Um, you know, our first year, uh, we were... Um, uh, very interested in making sure that we could get as many people as we could there, uh, for sure. Last, uh, I say last year, um, really moving into 2020, which we had to postpone because of mm -hmm. COVID, and then in 2021, uh, we decided to really focus our efforts on bringing in people from outside of our community. Mm -hmm. uh, so we knew that we wanted to make this an event um, a lot different than some of the other things that Vincent's and Knox County have going on, um, in that we wanted to become a destination for people to travel to. Um, and so last year, I think we really um, accomplished our goal with that. I mean, we had uh, people coming from Wisconsin, Florida, uh, Utah, all over the place uh, to come and uh, visit uh, Indiana's first city here in Vincent. So excited to be uh, to be offering that. Yeah. Um, so typically it's been a three-day event. Yes, ma'am. This year, you've added an extra day starting on <laughs> Thursday, September 29th. Yeah. And folks can come in that day uh, with bringing in a donation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So there were many people on our committee um, for uh, a couple of years now that have been saying, hey, we need to uh, add another day, add another day. Um, and you know what we needed, I guess, was something else to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So we decided to partner up uh, with United Way. Um, and um, so on Thursday this year, we'll have three bands uh, performing on Thursday evening. 
Uh, that would be September 29th, starting at 6 p.m. Um, and admission for that uh, will just be a, a canned food donation to our local United Way, um, or we'll also be taking monetary donations to the Evan Twitty Scholarship uh, that we have started through First City. Um, of course, anybody with a weekend pass is more than welcome to come in uh, Thursday as well. What does it mean um, to you to be able to uh, contribute to that scholarship in Evan Twitty's name? Local musician who passed away tragically in an accident sure. a few years ago. Yeah, um, yeah we, are, we are so blessed, really, uh, to be able to do that um, in partnership with the Twitty family. Um, you know, Evan was um, one of our star performers our very first year. Um, he was obviously somebody that we had grown uh, fairly close to, a um, uh, wonderful local musician. Um, and so uh, whenever he passed, um, really, it was uh, not a whole lot of discussion. We just knew that we needed to do something in his honor. And honestly, um, uh, setting up a music and art scholarship had one been, been one of our first goals as a, as a nonprofit anyways. Um, and so it just kind of felt right to uh, name that in his honor and, and get that thing rolling. So we were blessed to give out our um, uh, first scholarship this year to a local South Knox student. Um, uh, and he'll actually be attending Benson's University for audio engineering. So. That's great. Yes, ma'am. That is great. So um, along with the first night, folks can get in with a donation. Um, then the weekend, there are weekend passes available as well as single night. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So we have uh, weekend passes available right now. Um, they're $80 for the whole weekend. Um, and really, we'll, um, I think we'll have campers coming in uh, about Tuesday this week. So it's uh, definitely will get you in for the full week. Um, day passes are at $40 uh, a day pass. Um, kids 12 and under are free all weekend. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, definitely looking forward. I mean, our, our ticket sales are going uh, really, really well this year. Um, I mean, we're kind of getting a little nervous, uh, but we're hoping to get overrun this year. So we'll see. Yeah. I know you mentioned the camping. That is available for those that would like to camp um, yes, through through the weekend. Um, and then as well as the other activities, especially for kids, what, what's available? Sure. So, man, we have um, a really strong kids activities director, Miss Maddie Dills. She's a local uh, teacher here in town. Um, and we'll have kids activities going on for free um, all weekend long. Saturday is really our big day for kids activities. Uh, we'll have a kids activities area going uh, from 12 to 5 on Saturday. Uh, but we also have a group coming in this year called Joyful Bubbles that mm -hmm. we're paying to come in and uh, just offer, um, I guess, bubble entertainment uh, mm -hmm. to kids for the weekend. Uh, so they'll be going all weekend as well. And then along with the kids' activities, we have um, yoga going on all weekend. Last year, uh, we had 13 different instructors um, throughout the weekend uh, doing lots of different classes. Um, definitely looking forward uh, to another really heavy schedule of yoga. We have yoga and breath work, some drum circles and meditation classes. Um, mm -hmm. So Definitely a little something for everybody, for sure. All right. And of course, it wouldn't be a music festival without the music. Tell me what goes into securing the artists for the lineup. Lots of, <laughs> lots of work. Um, uh, yeah, we have uh, my partner in the, uh, in the operation, our vice president. His name's Jeff Deckard. He and his son, Ethan, um, handle all of the booking for us. Um, and, you know, really, um, <clears throat> that's something that starts... Um, as soon as we're done with this mm -hmm. year's festival, we'll start booking bands for next year's festival. So we've been working on that since last year. Um, and really, we're really excited to be bringing some world-class musicians in. We have bands coming in from all over the country. Um, and like I said, they're all um, I, what I would consider world-class uh, bluegrass or newgrass musicians. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. Um, someone who hasn't gone to the festival before, what should they bring with them? Oh, yeah. So, hey, one thing we are doing different this year, um, we're not having a bar being offered. So I would recommend that everybody um, bring coolers um, for snacks and stuff like that, because certainly with it being a camping festival, we want everybody to be nice and comfortable. Um, 
But you want to bring uh, something to sit on, something comfortable, maybe a blanket because it will get chilly in the evenings. Mm -hmm. um, and just make sure you bring your dancing shoes and, uh, you know, ready to, ready to have a good time. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to be in the know for this year or even next year, like sure. you said, you start planning immediately, um, how, can they, how can they get in the loop with yeah, you guys? They can follow us on Facebook. Of course, they can uh, find us at First City Music Festival on Facebook. Um, and you can also go to our website, uh, firstcitymusicfestival.com. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for for free there. Um, and we um, try, to keep, try to keep that thing active, mm -hmm. uh, sending something out with our newsletter. So definitely reach out to us on social media or via the website. Uh, we're also looking for volunteers this year again. Um, volunteers who work a four-hour shift for us get in for free for the entire weekend along with camping. Um, so if anybody would like to get involved and help us uh, get this heavy lift off the ground, we'd appreciate that assistance too. Okay. Well, we can't wait. I know uh, I'm excited for the weekend to come, and it'll be here before we know it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thanks so much for being here today, Nash. Thanks so much for having me. To see the complete lineup for the First City Music Festival, just head on over to our website, vincentspbs.org. Well, this summer marks the 30th anniversary of a beloved baseball movie, A League of Their Own. The iconic movie came out in 1992 and tells a fictionalized version of a real-life women's professional baseball team. While the film is love for what it represents in the history of professional baseball, for two Southern Indiana stadiums, it's special for a deeper reason. News director Shalina Barker, along with photojournalists Dave Novak and Paige Easley, Give us a look inside the two stadiums, which play essential roles in the creation of the movie. In the town of Huntingburg, Indiana, sports are more than just a fun pastime. It's a way of life. Huntingburg is home to the Southridge Raiders, who are a perennial favorite in football and in baseball. The team often plays right here at League Stadium, which is also home to the Dubois County Bombers, a summer collegiate baseball team. League Stadium is a perfect home for the two teams, but it wouldn't be what it is today without the help of Columbia Pictures. I was working over in the park and a, a, a van load of guys came up and, and four of them kind of walked towards our old stadium. And one of them come walked up to me and he said, hey, uh, we're with Columbia Studios. Can we go look in your stadium? We, we might be shooting a movie here. The movie was ultimately titled A League of Their Own, which starred Gina Davis, Madonna and Tom Hanks. It portrayed a fictionalized account of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which Philip Wrigley created in the 1940s. One of the league's most popular teams was the Rockford Peaches. Dale Payne is the director of Parks and Recreation for the city of Huntingburg. It's a relatively new title for Payne, who was just beginning his career for the department during the filming of this movie. He says when studio executives arrived to look at the stadium, it was a fraction of the size it is now. They actually had their art director with them, and he actually liked it because he liked the uh, lights. They were period for that time, you know, in the 1940s. So, so he liked it, and they were in here for, I'd say, half hour, 45 minutes or whatever, and then they came back out and got in the van, and the one that talked to me stopped by and said, well, our art director likes it, and he's going to talk to Penny Marshall, and she's probably going to come up sometime next week. If she likes it, we're probably going to build you a stadium. The original league stadium was built in 1894. It was used for a variety of activities outside of baseball, including horse racing and even hosting the county fair. Columbia Pictures spent $800,000 to expand the stadium and install decor that would look closer to the time period of the movie. Payne says many of the movie's iconic scenes were shot in these areas. The scene that was over there, 
was at the very beginning of the movie when we first got to Huntingburg where the guy pulled his pant legs up, you know, and says the girls can't play baseball, and then the shortstop hit him in the chest with a baseball and stuff like that, so that was kind of neat. In our display area, you'll see it was going to leave the thing that said no crying in baseball right where it was at, where it was shot. The umpires didn't like that because usually if you're coming for a ball this way, it's usually a pop-up, and they didn't want nobody, it was made out of rubber, they didn't want nobody to put their cleats on there and go sliding and get hurt. So they had 50 uh, extras that they paid to be here because they wanted them here every day and then they would usually bring in another hundred or so that he wanted here same people and then the other days if you come in the park get dressed get your hair done come on in you know? Budweiser and Coca-Cola both paid a million dollars to have their signs put in the movie now I don't know about any of the other ones that's the only ones they ever told us about and I guess that's why they're taller and why they're by the scoreboard memories that will last a lifetime ultimately Columbia Pictures chose League Stadium because of its proximity to Evansville, which is one of the other locations for the movie. While many scenes were filmed at League Stadium, others were filmed at Bossy Field. Bossy Field opened in 1915 and was the first municipally owned sports facility in the country. When it comes to age, only Fenway Park in Boston and Wrigley Field in Chicago are older. Like Lee Stadium, the remnants of the movie are ingrained in the stadium. We're quite proud of the heritage. Tom Hanks was on a podcast this last summer, and he was asked his favorite movie location, and his favorite movie was A League of Their Own, and it was Evansville, Indiana, and he liked it because he got to play baseball, and he had his family here, and they ate lunch at Burger King and had dinner at Dairy Queen. Mayor Winicky says... He hopes to use the movie as a stepping stone for an even bigger opportunity. It's one that would be a major milestone, not just for Evansville and Southern Indiana, but the entire state. Bringing a Major League Baseball game to the Hoosier State for the first time in history. The effort to attract a Major League Baseball game to Evansville really started after watching the Field of Dreams game last year. And we as a community thought, you know, let's try to get this. So. Uh, I made an outreach to Don Mattingly, manager of the Miami Marlins, Evansville native, former New York Yankee great, and I asked him for a contact. He, the next day, calls back with a contact, and we started uh, communicating. The MLB was on board with making this dream a reality and greenlit the move in May. Winicky is scheduled for a meeting with the MLB's chief operating officer this fall. Despite this, the potential MLB game is not set in stone as many communities are vying for an opportunity. Additionally, before this can happen, Bossyfield would have to undergo several renovations, including new dugouts that are further away from the home plate per MLB regulations. Another major improvement is replacing the current seats at Bossyfield. They're currently in the process of raising around a million dollars to get them replaced, not just for the potential MLB game, but for Evansville Otters fans as well. In total, all of the renovations would cost around $3 million. It's a price Winicky says is worth it. We think a game here with the premise sort of being built around the movie just as the foundation uh, would be a great platform from which to honor women in, in athletics. Bringing the MLB to Bossy Field will also be good news for League Stadium. When you have that, you're going to get people coming in to Evansville to see that. And then people are going to find out that Huntingburg also had part of it. And I think, you know, probably this thing has turned into a two or three day event uh, when Major League Baseball is there. So 
you know, if they're not doing anything there that day, they might want to take a day trip. Regardless of the MLB's decision about a game at Bossy Field, one thing is certain. Those close to either of these southern Indiana stadiums will continue to work to see that their legacy lives on for future generations. Reporting for First City Focus, I'm Selena Barker. A league of their own also brought additional Hollywood attention to Huntingburg. After filming wrapped up, HBO used League Stadium to film Soul of the Game, a movie about African-American baseball greats Jackie Robinson, Satchel Paige, and Josh Gibson. At one point, Disney even considered using the stadium for a remake of Angels in the Outfield. Well, there's a fairly new blue and white building in Pike County, and its purpose still seems to be a mystery to some. Senior news reporter Dave Foster and videographer Dave Novak give us an inside look at the facility just off I-69 in Petersburg. Despite the numerous news stories, press releases, and event announcements since its opening in March of 2021, many people drive by Exit 46 on the interstates or along State Road 61, still wondering just what the Elmer Book to Technology Center is. It's a networking facility. It, we are a co-working space, and we also are a maker space. So our members can make and prototype things. The center's program coordinator, Bridget Butcher, also told us that the center was 10 years in the making, originating from the Project Lead the Way class at Pike County Schools. She says instructors saw energy and excitement in their classes and decided a facility was needed to support students and entrepreneurs locally and throughout the state. They took that dream and they and they drove it home and they built this facility and they didn't just want a space where we could, we could network and we could talk and we could ideate um, and go through all those steps to create a business. But then they also wanted the makerspace part. So you could also do the, the prototyping, which can be a big, difficult financial part of starting a business if you have something tangible. The center is named for local businessman Elmer Bukta Jr. A trucking business his father founded hauled 1,500 tons of coal, limestone, and aggregate across the Midwest each day for years, passing by this very site. Butcher says Bukta was invested in the idea from the start and is still involved. He's on a board with me and helps to, to mentor myself as we grow this facility and wants to financially support young entrepreneurs and um, any adventures that people in the community want to see come to fruition and be an entrepreneur like, like his dad was and like he is. You can schedule a tour at the center, and that's just what First City Focus did. And Bridget first showed us the co-working lounge. People can come and they can connect and network out here. Um, they can have some coffee or make a snack or lunch. Um, so this is just one of our more informal areas that people can connect out here and work. I like to come out here quite often. <laughs> Around the corner, there are some private offices, which are currently filled, but between the lounge and offices, there is a place for those who need some privacy. It's called the huddle space. If I don't have my own private office, and I need to take a phone call or do a Zoom meeting, then I can utilize this space and I can take a phone call or um, you could even just enjoy reading. Um, so it's just a nice little nook and spot for you. There's also a large space where several can work at one time. And then this is another area where people can work um, out here and have a view. And then we do have um, desktop computers that people can utilize and a printer. So we take care of all of those 
needs that you have as far as during your, your daily work or your work day. One of the more exciting parts of the center is the makerspace, where you'll find a 3D printer and much more. And then we have multiple laser cutters, um, an electric workbench, and a variety of different smaller tools that people can utilize for prototyping. Then you walk through the next door and there's a bigger room with some state-of-the-art tools. Out here in the makerspace, we've got a CNC router, um, we have an MDX-50, we have a mill and a lathe. All of these are fairly small, but they use the software and the program that those uh, that the large pieces of equipment and manufacturing facilities use today. And it's not as scary as it looks. So much of it is just what you tell it to do on the computer. Um, those machines will do exactly what you tell it to. So, um, you know, this is another space where if you have an idea or you already have an existing idea and it's more feasible for you to come and utilize this space at $75 a month, then um, this, is, this is where you can do that. From the makerspace, we go to a conference room, which can be reserved by Tech Center members, non-members, or community organizations. This conference room, and use it for meetings or interviews. Everything is on wheels, which I absolutely love. Um, and also partition the room in half if ever necessary. And we have a, a nice big TV, and it's also a computer. I can ride on it. It's, it's fabulous. And finally on the tour, what would a technology center be without a classroom? With desktop computers for the students and tools for a teacher or facilitator. This is a nice space during the summer. We use this for our, our STEAM camps. We had coding and robotics camps, um, and then also a STEAM camp. And so that was for second graders uh, all the way to eighth graders. We had a variety of different camps going on. Um, and then with Vincennes University, we have their CCMA program, and they use this room. Um, our local police department uses it. As you can tell, Bridget enjoys what she does, promoting the center and organizing and coordinating all that happens here. Originally from Ligoti, her background is in education. She worked at VU and then held a similar position to her current one at the Pantheon in Vincennes. She says she loves learning, watching people learn, and likes to be where not every day looks the same, which is why she got into this vocation. The Pantheon was so much fun, and I was so passionate about that and loved it. Um, but it was, you know, 30 minutes from, from my house. And um, whenever I heard about this opportunity to support, you know, the exact same mission, but four miles from my house and really dive into the community that I was living in, it just became a no-brainer. It was bittersweet, um, but I still have those connections and relationships with people in Knox County that have supported me for a lot of years. And if you're wondering about Bridget's last name, Butcher, you're right. She is the granddaughter of legendary Ligoti High School basketball coach Jack Butcher and is grateful for those family ties that bind her to southern Indiana, where she wants those small-town people with big dreams to utilize the Book to Technology Center to its full potential. You can find out more about the center by emailing Bridget at booktotech.com or visit their website. For First City Focus, I'm Dave Foster. You can keep up to date with the latest happenings at the Elmer Book to Technology Center by following them on social media. We have all of that information for you on our website, vincennespbs.org. And now for our final focus. The fifth annual Festival Latino was recently celebrated in downtown Vincennes. As photojournalist Paige Easley shows us, the event made good on a promise of great cultural entertainment, activities, and food. 
Organizers estimate that over a thousand folks attended the event with 34 booths and food vendors to visit. And of course, plans are already underway for next year's festival. And that's all for this episode of First City Focus. If you have a suggestion of a topic for the show, please visit our website and submit your suggestion. For everyone here at Vincent's PBS, I'm Nicole Carey. We'll see you back here next week. First City Focus is supported in part by Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at dukeenergy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members. Thank you.